It's Tina Lundquist Faust, um, co-president of Houston Petset. Um, this is our weekly show um, podcast conversation for the animals. I'm with Tama Lundquist, co-president of Houston Petset, and our guest today is a really interesting woman. Um, um, her name is Genevieve Frederick, and um, she's from Nevada, but she started a, a beautiful program quite a few years ago called Feeding Pets of the Homeless. Welcome, Genevieve. We're so glad to be able to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time. And when we were chatting just a little bit earlier, um, we'll digress just a little bit before we get into your program, but um, you're in an area that's kind of facing some some of the wildfires right now. Is that correct? That is correct. And I want to thank you for this opportunity to share um, my nonprofit, Feeding Pets of the Homeless, with all of your listeners and viewers. Um, yeah, we are surrounded by wildfires. And um, it, right now it's raining ash. That's, oh. that's, that's the crust of it. But um, yeah, it it's, has not been, we've been in a smoky environment all this summer. And unfortunately, um, it has affected a lot of people that have um, asthma and other uh, lung problems. So yeah, it's it's not a good thing. I worry about all the homeless that are on the streets um, in uh, around the country because this smoke is actually blowing clear into the East Coast. So yeah, I mean, I worry about them and their animals. I mean, they have lungs too, so right. they're they're breathing the same ash that their owners are. Without getting a break, you know, like when we step inside, the air is generally more filtered. But for those who are on the streets, the people and the pets, it's unfortunate that they don't get a break from from the elements, whatever they might be. So good point. Yeah. Well, yeah. Genevieve, tell us a little bit about your organization. Tell our listeners about your organization and um, what you do and, and how it kind of started. Okay. Well, how it started was seeing um, a gentleman on the streets of New York with his dog. And I couldn't get that image out of my mind. I've seen homeless people many times. And like most of us, we just have blinders. They are invisible, which is sad, but it is true. But the dog is what brought me to think about this person. How was he taking care of his dog when he couldn't take care of himself. He had no shelter and, and he was just sitting on the sidewalk with this dog laying beside him. So I came back from that trip to New York and I came back to my little town, Carson City, Nevada, and I started researching and calling other um, organizations that work with homeless people. And I asked them, how many homeless are out on the streets with pets? And the answer was five to 10. There was no, and there still is no hard statistics, but we estimate that there's probably 25% of homeless have at least one pet and some of them have more than one pet. So I thought, wow, that, that's just amazing. So I went to, I had this aha moment, if you'll, <laughs> you know, that, that Oprah thing, aha. And I thought, what if I could feed these pets? So I went to, I had this idea and I went to my veterinarian and I said, if we put in a, 
a box here in your reception area and ask your clients to donate pet food and supplies. And then I will take that pet food over to our local food bank where I know low income and homeless are going for food every day. In fact, that um, uh, food bank also has a soup kitchen. So uh, that was my idea. And they said, sure, well, you know, we'll, we'll do whatever you want, Genevieve, because I've known this, this man for years and years. In fact, he was, um, Dr. Ailes is on my board of directors. Um, and he was one of the first people I asked when I decided to go nonprofit. He's still on my board and very active. But anyway, I did a press release to our local newspaper and a reporter picked that press release up went out to the Carson River, talked to a couple who had two large dogs that were living in a, um, an RV, an old RV with no electricity, no water. There was, no, you know, that was it. And the reporter took their picture and asked them, if you could get pet food, what would that mean to you and your situation? And they said, gee, maybe we could actually save up enough money for a down payment or a, for a deposit for an apartment. So that made it on the newspaper the very next morning, it was on the front page. And by that afternoon, that box at that office was over full with pet food. We, and legislature was going on, Carson City is the capital, and there were a lot of lawmakers here in town and politicians. And they were even coming over and putting food into this, this receptacle at that hospital. So that's when I knew that I had really connected with something, that this could be something that could happen across the country. So that's when I started talking to hospitals across the country. Please be a donation site for me. Let me know how much food you collect and where you're going to take it. So with that in mind, that is how Feeding Pets of the Homeless started. So right now, our donation sites have reported to us, and not all of them do, but this will give you an idea of how much pet food has been collected. When I went nonprofit in 2008, so this is, you know, a few years ago, but in that time, our donation sites have collected 779 tons of pet food. Wow. Now we put a fair market value on that because we want to report to our supporters and to the IRS that it has a fair market value of over $3.3 million. Wow. So Bravo, Genevieve. That's wonderful. That, that was our first program. As time went by, we um, I got a call from a groomer that had a mobile unit that was going to homeless camp encampments with her church. They were giving out food. They were giving out dog food. They were giving out cat food. They were giving out um, things that the church had collected. But my, my donation site, this woman, Donna, she was a groomer and she'd go out and groom these dogs. She'd bathe them, cut their nails, get the mats off, give them some flea treatment, but she got one dog that was had a very severe skin um, issue. And she called me and she said, we've got to do something. 
I said, what do you suggest? She said, I'll take this dog to my own veterinarian if you'll pay for it. And I said, okay. And that is how emergency veterinary care started. Mm -hmm. We started helping pets that were injured and ill that belonged to the homeless. Wow. Since that time, we have taken care of over 6,000 pets at a cost to us of $1.9 million. Now, how that works is a homeless person calls us, we do an interview, and they call us from every state. Mm -hmm. We have over 1,100 hospitals that are in our network that we can call. But if a homeless person calls us from a city that we don't have a hospital, our case managers start call calling till they find a hospital that will work with us, give us a discount. We will pay them at time of service. So as the animal and their human is walking out of the hospital, their staff is on the phone and we're giving them a credit card that will pay for it. So that is what that is our second program. And with that program, that is our most uh, costly uh, program that we have so far on just on veterinary care, emergency veterinary care, we've spent $1.9 million. Um, our third program is wellness clinics. And what we do is uh, we pay for the hard costs for a doctor to go out to where the homeless congregate. Now it could be at a food bank, a soup kitchen, which we've you know done lots of those. Um, it could be at a camp and all it takes is an SUV, put the, the back down and you can start servicing these animals mm -hmm. with a basic exam and vaccinations. If the animal needs more care than what they're able to offer at that location, then they are, the doctor instructs the person to call us direct and we will, uh, it will turn into an emergency uh, case. Uh, and that's how we identify them. Um, our fourth program, which isn't very successful, is that we will drop ship collapsible metal crates to homeless shelters that will allow pets. Those crates become the property of the homeless shelter. It's our hope, and it has worked, that if people can get into that homeless shelter with their pet, they'll be able to connect with a social worker mm -hmm. that will help them get out of homelessness. So those are our four programs, the food, the emergency care, the wellness clinics, and the, the sleeping crates. Great, um, great. Program. I would love to give you some statistics mm -hmm. about our, our, our clientele that we um, work with. I think people will be shocked to know yeah. that over 60% of our emergency cases are homeless women. And I think people need to be aware that homeless women stay in the shadows because it's so dangerous. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the reasons that they have a dog to wow. begin with yeah. is for that protection. The protection. So um, Houston pets, you know, we, we have a, a kind of a relationship and um, we're hoping that it will get stronger as time goes by and that the people in Houston will uh, go to our website 
and see what's available and how they can help us so that we can help your community. And, and our website, you, yeah, our what website, is, I'm sorry, our website is uh, petsofthehomeless.org. Wonderful. Thank you. I'm, I'm fascinating, really mm-hmm. fascinating. That was a lot of information, but it's very interesting. And I want to back up to the feeding of the pets because you said something that was really interesting. And that was, um, I think that sometimes when we talk about helping pets of the homeless, there is an opportunity for criticism because why are we helping the pets and not necessarily the people? We don't, we would never criticize that because we have an understanding of the situation. But you said that the resources that that first couple were using to feed their pets could now be used so that they could get uh, a deposit on an apartment. So I think what people don't realize is um, the homeless, the people that are experiencing homelessness, their pets are their family. They mean the world to them, and they will sacrifice and do sacrifice to protect, to feed, and to care for their pets. So if, if if an agency like yours, a nonprofit like yours, can step in and help the pets, that means more resources go to help the people experiencing homelessness. So you are mm-hmm. helping um, the entire family unit because it is a family unit. Whether they have a home or not, it's a family. So I think that's so important that you that people understand that part. And you're reducing the barrier to entrance on the shelter system too by offering that fourth program, which are those cages or those, not cages, those... Um, those Kennels. Um, kennels, yeah, mm-hmm. for the animals. So if a homeless person wants to get into a shelter, um, and we know this from our Pet Protect program, which deals with domestic violence, but they cannot go because that one family member that they cling to, that's their everything, um, is not allowed, then that person does not get the resources available to them also. So you're reducing, you know, taking down that barrier. And great point, Tina, and, um, you know, great job to you in in providing this service. I noticed in Houston that there are two drop sites, according to your website, and one is north in spring, and then one is in League City, which are great, you know, great areas for you to be in. Um, you know, we live in a more central area, and I'm putting the shout out early. We have to have somebody central here, at least two, three people, um, vets or hospitals or any, if you own a business, some sort of drop site, because our homeless population, unfortunately, and very sadly, seems to be growing along with the pet homeless situation. And, um, you know, we need that in central Houston. Yes, in downtown yes. Houston. Downtown we've, Houston, yeah. We've been in those, the homeless encampments in downtown Houston. I was there a, a few months ago um, because I got word of a, a little terrier that had been living um, on the streets down there for four months. And got a photo, said, even though Houston Pet Set is not a rescue group, went out there, spent three hours trying to um, catch the little guy, little girl it turned out to be, fast, crossing the freeways, crossing the, it was just, it was heart-wrenching. And finally, we had to get a darter out there. But if you could have seen, there were probably 20 people in that little encampment. And when that guy that showed up to dart the animal um, raised his his dart gun, they thought that we were shooting the dog. And they came running. And luckily, we had police with us. And they said, you can't shoot. And I said, no, 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 no. We're so sorry. We should have alerted you. We are actually trying to dart the animal. 
and so that we can get him into get her into a home, which she's now in a great home. Her name is Little Bit. But the love that they felt for that dog that had been kind of theirs generally, nobody really owned it. Um, it was really heartwarming to see them um, come to her defense. And yes. um, and it, it was really eye-opening to me um, in this area, the number of people living in those encampments. I think that, as you said, we turned, we see a homeless person and we sometimes turn a blind eye to it. But I think as a population, we're turning a blind eye to the masses of people experiencing homelessness and helping their pets is one way for us to maybe, it is not maybe one way to help the people as well. So, you know, I, when you said that you have a large population of homeless in your area, um, our biggest fear, because we're national, is that in a few months, when the moratorium yeah. on evictions ends, we're looking at 3.5 million Americans will end up on the streets. And a lot of them are going to end up on the streets with their pets. Mm -hmm. What will happen is a lot of these people will cycle through their family, their friends, couch surfing, yeah. And then they'll live in their car until the car breaks down and then they'll end up on the streets. This is the cycle that happens with our homeless population. What we're finding also is that a lot of our clients are elderly, meaning that they are only getting social security and what little pension they had when they retired. And it's just not enough to keep up with if they own a home with the taxes or if they're in an apartment with the rising um, rent that are going up and there's just not enough low income housing in this country, in any section of the country. And we're gonna see a huge, huge increase of homelessness. And we here at my organization, we are gearing up for that. We are, um, you know, trying to fundraise to keep our cash reserve at a high level when we start getting more and more calls. I have to tell you right now, my case managers are averaging about 20 paid cases a week. Now to get through one case, it takes over six phone calls. And right now we have 90 pending cases. So that means these cases are we're trying to get homeless verification. We're trying to get an appointment for them at a hospital. Um, we try not, you know, I, I hate to say this, but we try not to use emergency hospitals because they're so much more expensive. So, but if it's if it, it's a dog that's been hit by a car and, or an animal that's bleeding mm -hmm. anywhere, we're going to get that to an emergency and we'll pay for that. So knowing that we're on the west coast pacific standard time people that are calling in from the east coast and even from texas if we're not on if we don't answer the phone right away it's because we're closed for the day or it's a weekend we don't have the resources to stay open 24 7. so with that in mind um, i can tell people that we will return that phone call the next business day mm -hmm. 
and hope that we're able to get that animal to a hospital as soon as possible. Yeah. We noticed during the pandemic that when we were offering free spay-neuter services, because we had just started our free mobile spay-neuter unit and the services in the community, um, a lot of people were coming and they're saying, yeah, this is great, but my dog has a broken leg, or I was making masks and it swallowed a needle, and they did not have veterinary, uh, the resources for veterinary care. So we turned our mobile unit into an emergency or urgent care one day a week. And um, often, you know, uh, we had a, a vet who was willing to say yes, and she would she would take the emergency cases. You know, there's a dog who's shot on a porch or a dog that's been hit by a car, and it would be nine o'clock at night, and she would, she would so kindly say yes. But um, we noticed that too, Genevieve, that that there are so many people that need those resources to keep that pet in their home. Otherwise, their their options are to let it die, which seems like a very sad option, or to submit it or rent, surrender it to a shelter. Well, Houston shelters were shut down. So um, even if the shelters were open, then that starts clogging up the shelter system, which is a, a space for a homeless animal. So it really is good for a community, um, for everybody to keep those pets in their homes and keep them with the family members who at those low points, that's when you need that comfort the most. Well, yes. and, and to take um, Genevieve's model one step further, you know, if you're able to help an animal, say it, it does get hit by a car and there's a, a $1,500 or $2,000 vet bill or more sometimes, that might be the the the, the thing that the, the straw that breaks the camel's back or and pushes that person into financial despair and starts down a path where they wind up losing their residence. So, you know, so important to not just care for animals, um, pets that are of, of people that are experiencing homelessness, but care for the pets of people that are that are um, e- um, economically challenged. You know, we need to provide those resources because it's what we found is it's far less expensive to keep an a pet in a loving home than it is to put it through any type of rescue program or shelter program. And so, and it's, it's also the humane thing to do. So many of these people, that is their only family member and um, it's just the right thing to do. So um, does it feel like you opened Pandora's box when you, when you started? No, um, we stay very focused with helping homeless and, you know, we always say homeless, a home is not a house. A home is yeah. with your person. Mm-hmm. If you're a dog or a cat, it's who that mm-hmm. person is. That's your home. That's who you love and you're loyal to. And that person does as much as they can to protect you, feed you, and shelter you. So, yeah, um, it. It is, you know, something that I hope that your listeners will um, open up their hearts to your organization, to my organization, any animal welfare organization. I know that um, I've talked to a lot of the um, animal shelters, and they are very concerned about what's going to happen when the moratorium on evictions ends, because they have a feeling that they're going to be inundated with dogs and cats. And, you know, if you're, you know, you don't want to leave your animal 
on the side of the road, please don't do that. If you have absolutely have to give up and relinquish that pet, take it to a rescue, take it to um, a animal shelter so that it can be properly fed and get the medical treatment it needs. But if um, you're in Houston- we, we hate to see you know, that happen. Yeah. And we'll do everything we can to try to keep that human and that animal together. When you're homeless, you're so isolated that that comfort from that animal is can be the difference between life and death. We've had many people tell us, if it wasn't for my dog, I would have committed suicide a long time ago. Because they go into a spiral of depression. And a lot of our clients are mentally ill. And a lot of them are um, physically disabled as well as mentally disabled. So, you know, we take that into consideration. And I can say that, you know, we don't ask a lot of personal questions, but we do interview people that call us. And that's one of the questions, are you disabled? We don't ask them if it's mental or physical, but a large percentage, over 50% of them are saying yes. And it's interesting that we have a lot of homeless that are calling that actually are employed, but they're living in their vehicles because they can't afford that rent. They may only be getting minimum wage and it's just not enough. Genevieve, with um, 50% of people saying that, yes, they are are handicapped in some way, um, that's that's an interesting statistic because that means that probably 50% are not. And I was going to say, I heard a statistic recently that 40% of our homeless are still employed in some capacity. So it's not always, you can't, I think it's easier to look away when you think, oh, they don't care. They don't want to work. They don't, they don't, they don't have the mental capacity to do it or, but there's a very large percentage of people that do want to work that they they just don't they don't make enough to pay for what it takes to keep a keep a home as you said not a house a home and a family together um, because of the disparity between income and and the cost of living. And if you're elderly, yes, you're not going to you know that's right. hard to get a job. The elderly, it's very difficult. And if you have a physical, if you have a physical disability. That is another barrier to getting right, a yeah, job. Yeah. So, you know, people, there's an education that we need to um, let people know uh, why and how. It could have been they ended up in homelessness because of a divorce. It could be a medical um, financial problem. Somebody in the family had to go to the hospital and it drained all of their resources. Yeah. It, there are so many reasons. We get a lot of kids that have yeah. been turned, aged out of foster mm-hmm. care. And we know 50% of those kids are going to be homeless. Wow. And because they didn't get the education they needed to be independent. They, they were just in foster care and they were being housed and fed. That was it. And they didn't get that so, support system just to just to have those life skills to manage getting to school, getting to a job, getting knowing how to fill out a form, um, having a driver's license, those things that we take for granted, that that we think are just a part of, of getting older and becoming an adult, they miss all of those things. And if you miss all of those things because you don't have the support system to do that, 
what do you do? You're, you're at that point, you're a victim yourself. You know, those, those kids are victims. And I used to look at, you know, walk into the school where my son went to school, a public school. And it just, it broke my heart to see so many kids that, you know, were in such great need. Genevieve, we, it feels like we could talk all day because this is, it's a very, it's a big issue and it's one that we see here in Houston and one we see all across the country. But um, we want to be able to work with you more. It feels like we need to talk offline. Um, anybody listening, please give us your website again. Um, Houston Pets that is there to promote and support other animal welfare nonprofits doing really important work. So we encourage donations to your site. If you would give us that website again. Yes, the website is Pets of the Homeless. Org. Okay. If you need help, you can find it there. If you want to help, you can find it there. I'm hoping that some of the business owners in yes. your listening group will come forward and become a donation site so that they can help people in their community. Well, with pet food. We'll, we'll make some calls on, on that front. As much as we're doing, we would love to, to partner with you and we very much want to work with you in this capacity. In fact, we're doing an event in a couple of weeks um, with the Homeless Coalition here. So we'll chat before then for sure. But thank you. Thank you so much. A, Go ahead. We have a um, next week, the August 22nd through the 29th will be our 12th Give a Dog a Bone Week. And we are... Uh, publicizing that and hope that people will pay attention and donate pet food during that week and during every week. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's just once a year, but this is our way to promote it once a year to the national um, audience. We'll we'll help promote that too, Genevieve. Thank you so much. Great to know you. Bless you. Can I add one more thing? Uh, I just wanted to let... um, your organization know that if there is an animal that um, your doctor isn't able to treat in that van, to have that homeless person call us at 775-841-7463. That's our phone number. What is, they can could, leave a message or talk to someone right away. Could you give us that number again, please? Sure. 775-841. Seven, four, six, three. Eight. Thank you so much for that, Genevieve. Really great work that you do. Bless you. Yeah, it's a great, great model. And we need this. We so need this in about four areas in Houston. So I, yeah, it always feels like we walk away from these podcasts saying this is the most important thing, but this is, this is really, really important, Genevieve. So thank you for this opportunity. I appreciate and you ladies are lovely to talk to and beautiful to boot. <laughs> oh, thank you. And bless you. Um, stay safe where you are. Yeah. We'll be praying for you and everybody in, in the western part of the country. We know it's bad right now. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Same to you. Thank I you. mean, the, this weather thing is just so crazy. Well, I was, uh, yeah, I was uh, thinking about the homeless, yeah. the people experiencing homelessness. Yes. And now we're going into hurricane season, which is so... It's frightening. It, it, it's yes. just, um, but the people, people can, they can actually, you know, in most, in some cases they can call somewhere. They could, they know it's coming. They can get somewhere. The homeless animals, they don't know it's yeah. coming. There's just, it's just on them. It's yeah. It's yeah. so sad all the way around. It's 
Well, ladies, it was uh, a pleasure and I wish you well and stay safe and healthy. Let's make a plan to talk. Take care, Genevieve. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you.